But we're going to have another prayer time because I think it's, it's all to do with sin and it's respectable sins tonight. And when I say respectable sins, we're not talking about a bunch on a Sunday night that showed back up for a prayer meeting. You're not out doing meth. You're not out addicted to sex. You're not, I mean, you're here because you want to do good. You want to do what God tells you to do. And that's witness and that's, that's, that's attend church. That's pray. That's study your Bible. And, and, and sometimes as much as we want to do those things, the world and the flesh just keeps dragging us and pulling us from them. It, it, the sin of contemplation, it keeps wanting to take us back to our past. Get over that. We prayed for you to get over your brokenness. He put you back together again. And He put you back together so you can help put broken people back together. You, he, you're a tool in His hand. And so we talked about the sin of, of contemplation. But now I want to talk to you about the sin of complacency. And that is simply what the message you heard. That's why that's on my heart. You heard this morning about the sin of complacency. Kevin said, what's been on my heart, and me and him got to visit all weekend, is man, for the last three or four to maybe six months, my heart, as much as I want to see people saved, see, some people, they're pastors and evangelists, and, and, and they're the pastors that they'll preach their heart out to the church, but they can't leave the lost alone. And you could see that all over Kevin. He started out, if you are lost here, the most important thing for you do to get saved, and these are altars are open, and you can come anytime you want and he explained you've got to be saved okay but then after we're saved and after we're faithful he was saying there's two kinds of you there's you, those that are serving here and there's those that are not and those that are serving you're wore out because you're packing a load Billy Graham says uh, 20% of the people do 80% of the work in the church and I don't think he's far off because you preach on service and things that's needed, guess who will come to you as the pastor? Come to you as the pastor and say, "Man, I can do this." But they're already we're trying to figure out how to get them to do it because they're always they're already signed up in every other area. Remember, I preached the sermon. We don't need more. We got some fives and twenties. We need the ones and the twos and the twelves to get to doing something. Okay. And so he said this morning, you guys, there's two kind of people here, those who are doing the work, and you ought to be my biggest fan today because I've come here from Tennessee to Oklahoma to try to get you folks some help. And I know I'm talking to the crowd that come back tonight, but we need to get the sin of complacency out of this body of believers called Exciting Southeast. He did not save us to occupy 16, 18 inches of a church pew, a church chair every Sunday morning. He saved us to serve and worship and do His work out there. Amen? And if you're complacent in your ministry with your talent, let me tell you, you know you need to be doing it. You know you need to be serving. You know you're complacent. And guess what? Because you know you need to do it and you're not doing it to Him, to you, it's sin. You need to repent and you need to get out of the sin of complacency. And you need to start serving the Lord. 
Whatever that looks like. Did you catch what Kevin said? My message to the church is get alone with God. Ask the Holy Spirit to serve you and ask Him, not me, not anybody else in here. Ask God where your spot is. And where your spot's not is just sitting, saved, and satisfied. That's complacency, and that's got to leave the church. Complacency in the church is why our country is in the shape it's in. So we we, we got to deal with the sin of contemplation. we got to get over being broke. We're not broke no more. He fixed us. We've got to get over the sin of complacency, and we've got to be serving Him. And how long do you serve Him? Till every house is empty. Till every house is desolate. There's no getting off. There's no quitting. When you get older, your ministry changes. You may be, you may be that prayer warrior. You may be that one that can't do what you once done. But you're never complacent in your service to the Lord. And then secondly, remember that. Because if that spoke to you, if the Holy Spirit said, man, that's me, the sin of complacency, that's got me. We're going to have another prayer time. Okay? And if that's you, you need to to repent of that. And you don't need to be complacent. Okay? Then here's what spoke to me this morning too. The sin of comparison. The sin of comparison. About the time you want to get out of your complacency... You're going to look to your Elizabeth because you're married. Does that make sense to everybody? If not, I'll stop. That's tied with the sermon this morning. And I love that he brought out. He did not command Mary to go to Elizabeth. But he did tell her. Now, she's six months along. She's a little further down this road of me working in her life than you are. Might be a good idea for you just go down there and visit with her because she's about six months down the road. Let me tell you something about, something about you getting called to the ministry. And let me tell you something about you repenting of your sin of complacency. Find you an Elizabeth. Find somebody that's just a little farther down the road than you when it comes to this ministering and this serving. And listen, you can learn something from them. Okay? But where I got the sin of comparison... I love this about Elizabeth. It wasn't a command. It was just common sense. Hey, if you want to know what this looks like, how can this be? She asked the question, how's all this going to happen? And it's almost like God said, if you really want to see what it looks like, by the way, uh, Elizabeth, your cousin up there, because it's evident that after he said the Holy Spirit will overshadow you, be with child. I like what Kevin said. Oh, yeah, it's all clear to me now. <laughs> it ain't no clearer than it was when... So, so I tell you what, common sense is needed. Because Mary just thought, man, I'm going to go to somebody that's just a little farther down the road. Does it make us a better driver? No, it don't make us a better driver. We've just been down some roads you ain't been down. I love when people that's farther down the road call me and tell me there's some construction or something. Hey, I tell you what, I'm down here and you don't want to come this way. You can get, yeah, I love that. That's, that's what going to somebody that's serving and ministering. That's your Elizabeth. Find somebody that's farther down the road. But here's what I'm talking about, the sin of comparison. When you get out of your complacency and you decide you're going to serve, you're going to find your Elizabeth. And if you're not careful, you'll compare yourself to them. You'll want to be like them. And, and you've heard me say it before. My mentor was Marty Brock. 
And, man, I, I mean, I, I figured out real quick I couldn't be like him. And then I heard Herb Brevis. I mean, he's hellfire brimstone. And I thought, man, I like him. I mean, I figured out I couldn't be like him. And that's when God said, that's why I showed you both of them. You're the in-between them two. I need, I need my in-between guy, and that's you. That, that's what he showed me from them two guys. I need, you to, I need you to be a little bit of both of them. That's who I, the creator of the universe, that's the DNA I put in you. I put you between Marty Brock, who I placed you with to lead you to the Lord, and I, I put you in between a Herb Brevis that I showed you right after I called you to preach. That's your DNA. Do you realize, God, there's six billion, seven billion? I don't know how many there is. Now I can't keep up these babies being born every day. I once would put a mark every time a baby's born. I quit. I give up. But every one of them's got a different DNA. Every, I mean, that... And so why do we fall into the sin of comparison? But watch this. Elizabeth could have got real jealous. Couldn't she have? Oh, I've just got Johnny B in my belly. She's got JC. Some of you will get it. JB, JB, John the Baptist. She got JC, Jesus Christ. I'm sorry. Sometimes I get so deep. But couldn't she have got jealous because she... Realized, man, I, here she's coming up for me to get some advice, and her ministry's going to be way, way, way bigger than mine. And isn't it something how we as people, we want the biggest ministry? Isn't that crazy? You know what I should want for Exciting Southeast Baptist? I should want the next man up to do and grow this church ten times more than I did. Be careful that you don't get the spirit of Saul. How many did he slay? Thousands. How many did that guy that come behind him slay? Ten thousands. Difference was, Elizabeth, she didn't get jealous. She said, you're blessed. You're highly favored. (laughs) My Lord. My Lord's in your belly. And so many times we fall into the sin of comparison. We want to compare ourselves to somebody else. And so many times we don't want the person to follow us. Man, if they do better than us, they're going to make us look bad. Did you see that in Elizabeth? She didn't have that attitude. Saul had it. I don't like Saul's ending. And so why do I know? Why is that near and dear to my heart? You know what David said to me after this morning? I go to Louisiana Thursday. And I'm going to be gone Sunday. And right over there, David came to me and said, Golly, I'm mad at you. I said, What are you mad at me for? Man, that men's retreat and then him today. Now I've got to preach Sunday. How do I come behind that? You know what I turned around? I said, Don't fall into the sin of comparison. You get up and be who, who God called you to be next Sunday, Dave. You get up and you preach what, what, what God put on your heart. You'll never be a Rob Pierce. You'll never be, and and you don't want to be, trust me, I know him better than you do. But you know what happened? When Kevin was here with youth group and he goes down that line, often you know what I do? I think, man, I wish I could preach like that. Huh? We'll all fall into it. David says, I'm mad at you. Man, that men's retreat, what happened Friday night, and man, and, and then, then what happened, how he preached here this morning, you just throwing me in there Sunday morning. 
How do I follow that? I said, just don't fall into the sin of comparison. We left here and we went to Table 5 Restaurant. You know why we went to Table 5 Restaurant today? I love Oscar. That's the guy that owns it. Last night I was over eating and he come out to me. He said, Pastor Rob, what are you doing tomorrow? I said, preaching. Well, I knew that. What are you doing after you preach? I said, I don't know why. He said, it's October. They tell me that's Pastor Appreciation Month. I said, that's right. He said, they tell me pastoring's the hardest job in the world. I disagree. I think cooking at a restaurant is. I said, hell, they probably gripe about as much about their food cooked as they do the sermon. So, yeah, I'd probably be right up there together. Huh? He said, all the pastors, and you tell your friends that are pastors, that if they come in on Sunday, it's on me. So that's why I took Kevin there. I sa- saved us some money as a church. We had to buy his dinner. And then I told him we was Pentecostal. My wife's also a pastor, and his wife's also a pastor. And matter of fact, we're not paying for one meal. We're all pastors. But we went down there. But here's where I'm getting. And it was even better than that. When I got ready to leave, Oscar's wife hollered at me and said, Hey, Rob, come here. I come over and she said, Man, sometimes we feel bad that we got the restaurant open and, and, and we've got, got these people out of church. She said, I've been thinking about something. What would be the odds of some of you local pastors coming by here and having a church service about 3 o'clock? Preach to us. I said, the odds of this one coming is real good. I need, I've been wondering where I could preach one more time on Sundays. I, I mean, I, I said, I can't come next week unless you can fly me in from Gina, Louisiana. But... So that was a good stop today. But here's what happened. We sat down. You know what Kevin says? He said, Donna asked him, says, so what did you think of the three services? And he said at Telequal, I was looking more forward to 8, 9, 30, and 11. He said, you know, the men's retreat's good. I get to preach to men. But he said, when, when they asked me, my biggest challenge and what I was looking forward to is three times on Sunday morning. And when we headed over here, he said, I can't believe you do this every week. He said, I, it, we're headed. So we get there, and Donna said, so how, Kevin, did you like the three services? He said, I don't know. He said, I wish I could be like Rob. Isn't it something? I wish I could just put them points there and just lay it down. Now, Rob, back when he was here at youth camp, Rob wished he could just go down the line without any points. Somebody said, how many points does it have to have to have it be a sermon? One. But what I'm trying to tell you here today, do you see it? I've told you about Jeff Blair sitting there speaking Greek to me, and I said, man, I wish I had the intellect and could preach the Greek. And before I could get that out, and he said, you don't know how many times I wish I could get the simple application." It seems so deep to me, and then I can listen, and you just put a little old simple spin on it. Do you see what I'm saying? It does not matter who you are. If you're not careful, you fall into the sin of comparison. Let me tell you what that is. That's a in the face of God. Because God give you a DNA, God give you a personality, He give you a ministry, and guess what? Who guess who He give it to? You. He gave me mine. 
He gives you yours, you yours, you yours, and we don't need to be comparing ourselves to anybody else because God made us exactly how he wanted to make us and we're many members one body and aren't you glad we're not all exactly the same wouldn't it be something to come in here and just see a bunch of arms wouldn't it be pretty boring listen don't fall into the sin of comparison we do it don't we the sin of complacency. And it don't matter who you are, you wish. You wish you could be, be somebody else. And the point that God added tonight was this. We need to hit these altars when it comes to the sin of complaining. How many times are we doing the work of God? And we find ourselves complaining about it. Do all things without complaining. It's in Philippians chapter 2. And let me tell you why that's on my heart. I told you I've been 19 days straight, and I've been to two churches where they sang the songs, and the first butt ain't come off the seat during praise and worship. One of our church people was over at Steelwell, and she told one of our other people that goes to Tahlequah Church, I felt so sorry for Rob the other night. I went over that revival, and I felt so sorry for Rob. He preached his heart out, and it was terrible. I said, she thought that sermon was terrible? No, 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 you misunderstood. Oh, man, I thought it, thought it was pretty good. She said it was terrible. And here's what I caught myself doing early. And the reason she showed up is I was complaining the night before. And the reason she showed up there, and it was dead as a government job at 4 o'clock. But she said, Rob preached his heart out. I left there the night before complaining. So I lost everything I gained by preaching that night because I left there complaining. When you complain, you lose it. I left there complaining, and, and, and this is how stupid I am. God, why do you send me to church like that that's so stinking dead? God, why? I could be... Do you not know my schedule? Do you not know how much I've got? I give it to you. Oh, yeah, okay. God knows what you got because you wouldn't have it if He didn't give it to you. Right? And I'm complaining, and I said, what good am I doing preaching to a bunch of people like that? You know what he said? You ever considered Ezekiel? <laughs> That's when I said, gotcha. No more complaining. Can you imagine what Ezekiel said when he said, now go down there in that valley. Bunch of dry bones down there. <laughs> I want you to preach your heart out to them, son. I'm sure Ezekiel went. You know how busy I am? Do you know all I've got to take care of? And I'm sure God said, uh-huh, I'll give it to you. But now, I'm telling you, go preach to the bones. 
And I'm pretty sure Ezekiel was going, isn't there a better place for me to be than to preach into a bunch of dead bones? See, that's what I was saying to him. He might be sending me to them churches to raise up an army. Now, I'd love to come back and tell you they, they, stood, they stood up and they started rattling and they started clanging and they started coming together, but they didn't. But who's to know the next place he sends me that's dead in a government job at 4 o'clock that right in the middle of my preaching, those people that ain't got off their blessed assurance in a while start getting up and get full of the Holy Spirit and they fill them altars and then they begin to raise up a great army in that community. See, who am I? Who am I? We get to thinking a church that's alive and revived and doing well is going to be the difference makers. Who, how do we know that God ain't going to send an Ezekiel into some little dead church in some, some small community and out of there go to putting skin and putting them bones back together and raise up an army for His glory and His honor in that community? So where God sends you, don't be complaining about it. Don't complain, and I don't remember the outline. Some of you note-takers, turn to Ezekiel 37 real fast if my outline's there. I'm just joking. I think it was, look where Ezekiel was sitting. You complaining about where you're at? Think about where Ezekiel was sitting. You complain about your job. You're complaining about your family. You're complaining about where you're sitting. I, I, you ain't sitting in the middle of a cemetery with a bunch of dried up bones. Look what Ezekiel was saying. He prophesied, thus saith the word of God. Let me tell you something. Instead of complaining, won't you start memorizing Scripture and won't you start quoting Scripture to them people you're sitting amongst? And what ought to encourage you is where he was sitting, then what he was saying, and then what he was seeing. He saw dry bones come to life, and he saw an exceedingly great army arise. Wonder how much of that we could see if we dealt, repented with the sin of complaining about where we were sitting and what we were seeing, and just change what we were saying might change what we're seeing. So tonight, I don't know what you got for us, Addie. I'm going to ask us to stand one more time. Respectable sins. We've come and talked about the sin of contemplation, whatever that word is, contemplation. But now I'm going to ask you, are you complacent in your walk with the Lord? It's sin. Repent. Pray that you wouldn't be a complacent Christian. Pray that you wouldn't be a comparing Christian. Don't compare yourself to nobody else. You're who God created you to be. And this may be the one that gets us all in the altar. Repent and pray forgiveness for the sin of complaining. Because I found out that's what most of us have in common. We're real good at complaining.